Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia. This is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hello, my little honey bunny. How's everything going? Bruch Hashem. Bruch Hashem. I always uh, gave, um, gave piano lessons this evening. It's always put, but it's been a pretty good movement. I give piano lessons. Yeah. And yeah, I taught the kids Ufaratsta. Okay. It was Russ on the piano. Um, but this uh, today I took my um, car in to be serviced. And it was, oh my gosh, I was supposed to have a one o'clock appointment. I got there at one. Oh my gosh, waiting, waiting. Wait. They fi- I think they finally took me like around three or four, something Whoa. like that. Evidently, here's what happened. A lot, of, A lot of people were really upset. One woman I met had been there since 10 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> here's what happened. Evidently, for some reason, the dealerships in the area uh, wouldn't take car- just wouldn't take any cars that week. They just wouldn't. So this particular dealership um, was taking on all the extra load from the other dealers in the area that for some reason decided it was too much for them. They couldn't take any service um any like uh, service calls that week. That's really weird. And um, it's all done by computer. It's not like you can call the dealership and say, hey, you know, or they can call you. It's all done. It's all computerized. So, you know, you go in the line, you, you go in line, you make your appointment and that's it. And then you get there and it's like, hey, what the heck is going on here? I had a one o'clock appointment. It's like uh, three o'clock. Uh, I've been here, you know, or a 10 o'clock appointment. It's 12. What's going on? So the man was very nice. He explained to us why and he told us just to come and sit down and you know, they really wanted you to, they, when we got there, they told me like to stay outside with my car, but it got, it got too much. So I came, I went into the building and I was watching my car from the door when one of the managers came over to me and he says, what, you know, why are you standing around? And I told him what happened. And he goes, oh, he says, listen, he says, um, he took my name and everything. He says, sit down, take a drink, relax, you know, just, just relax. And he says, don't worry. He says, I'll call you when it's your turn. He says, no reason you have to stand around like this. And he explained this other woman came over and was really young woman, but you know, she was very polite, but very irritated and told him. And so that's when he explained to us what was going on and why there was such a backup. And we said, oh, you know, we understood then. And so he was telling us that, would you believe he said some guy this morning who was waiting like for a couple hours, you know, instead of coming over to him and saying, you know, like we were like mentioned what's, what's going on, who were really a little upset, this guy threatened to shoot him. Oh, my gosh. He said, this guy came over and goes, I'm going to get up my booty. I'm going to put you in the ground. I'm going. <laughs> and one guy, he said, came over to him that day and threatened to beat him up. Oh, wow. I'll take you outside. Come on, I want to take this on. <laughs> I guess there's a difference between the, the sexes, I guess, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of getting yourself injured, uh, what has been... <laughs> What has been a stupid way you've gotten yourself injured or hurt from when you were a kid to an adult? Well, okay, a few of them. Okay, first, there was when I was a kid, I was somewhere around between third and fourth grade. I remember it was the last day of school the next day. And um, excuse me, I'm pouring some honey into my tea. By the way, did you hear that if you use a metal spoon with honey, it destroys the natural enzymes. Um, did you get this information at Infowars? 
<laughs> no, a friend of mine who's into like nutrition and health and all mm -hmm. that um, came across the information and said that when you uh, put honey in your tea, uh, you should use either a plastic or a wooden spoon. She goes, don't use a metal spoon. A spoon destroys the enzymes. Well, that was very interesting. I mean, I know that when you're making a clay poultice for health, um, you have to, you cannot use metal because it works by electric charge. And the metal destroys the electric charge that is naturally occurring in natural clay. So you have to mix the water with the clay with either a plastic or ceramic or wooden spoon. Mm. You cannot use metal. That I do know. So it, it, it stands to reason that the same thing would be true of honey. So anyway, getting back to how I injured myself stupidly, uh, <laughs> that I, our, our own house in Baltimore City, we used to have this hallway. And the hallway came out into the living room where there was a big couch. So what I used to like to do is I used to like to run from the hallway. And then when I got to the couch, I kind of like, not quite totally flip over, but jump up in the air and, and land um, on my hands and head and do a headstand on, but onto the couch. Oh, so wow. I the couch cushioning me. So there was this one time I was doing this. And um, I decided I wanted to do something fancier. And my idea was to jump up in the air, do a total flip, a total somersault, and then land on the couch on my my hands and my head, like to land on the headstand on the couch. Well, um, I missed the couch. <laughs> and next thing I know, I'm on the floor and my wrist is killing me and I'm holding my wrist and screaming and crying. I broke my wrist. I broke my wrist. I broke my wrist. As, as my parents come in. And so my parents were the type of people who they were not quick to go to the doctor unless it was very, very serious. They used to like to, how can I say it, apply their own medicine. And um, if that didn't work, then they would go to the doctor. So they took my wrist. They wrapped it up in a bandage. And then they made a sling out of a scarf and had me, you know, wear it like that. And I remember the last day of school when everybody wants to sign autographs. This is my right hand. Um, me coming to school with my arm in a sling and my wrist all bandaged up. Wait, I have a question, though. Um, how old were you again? You were, you were... I was either nine or ten. So what do you mean by autographs? Was there like an, a yearbook? Oh, in school. It was, it was a thing in school where the last day of school, uh, kids would bring little autograph books. Oh, okay. That you that you could buy in the five and ten. And they would bring these autograph books to school and everybody would sign things like, have a great summer, um, love being your friend, like little love notes to each other. And that was a, that was a tradition that went all the way from, oh my goodness, from I think like third grade all the way to see. I remember my senior year. Mm -hmm. Every well, senior year, of course, you know you signed the yearbook, but um, I remember some of you know some of the autographs. Like do you, one do you still have any of them? No, but <laughs> I do remember one autograph in particular in my senior year, where this boy said, "Please always stay the nice girl that you are." Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. That's adorable. So anyway, we were talking about, you know, stupid things. You, know, you get injured. 
Uh, there was one time as a teenager, I was uh, in college or whatever. I was trimming my bangs with the scissors, accidentally cut into my, uh, right above my eyes, a little scar there to, do, to this day. Um, then there was, as an adult, it was after Purim. I went into your you, the boys' room, your rooms, and I um, saw you had all over the floor were those little hoppers where you pull the string and that, you know, and the, there's a spark that, you know, it sparks. Yeah. It makes a popping sound and it sparks. So I decided to pull one of those strings from one of those little things. I didn't realize I was, I had it too close to my face. And the spark went up in the air and got me right at the top of my eyebrow. And to this day, um, at the very top of my eyebrow, there's, I'm, I'm lacking a couple hairs there. So a couple injuries in the, that, that same eyebrow. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I'm trying to do a segue, but it's not working. Uh, <laughs> my other question would be, um, what job would you not want to have for like $150,000? The, the one that I saw on the documentary about the oil tankers in Canada that um, I think when in the middle of the winter, when the ice is frozen over, I think I think it might be Lake Ontario, if I'm not mistaken, that they actually drive these oil tankers over Lake Ontario. Yeah. And I wouldn't know they've had they've had a they, they had a mishap uh, member a number of years ago where it was an early thaw and one of the oil tankers crashed right through the ice. Yeah, I think I remember watching, I think it's on the Discovery Channel, Ice Road Truckers. Uh, there was another yeah. one was like, I think it's called like the worst jobs or like most dangerous job in the world. And oh it was uh, catching mm -hmm. lobsters, I think, out by um, in Alaska or something. Alaskan crab, I think they were trying to capture. I think it was, and, was it Nova Scotia, maybe? I think you mentioned it was Nova no, Scotia. No, I, 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 I think, I think I was, uh -huh. I misspoke beforehand. I think it was... Uh -huh. The Alaska, it was the Alaskan crab. They were going mm -hmm. to like they were trying to get them, and uh, I think a giant wave hit and killed uh, one of the main reality TV stars. Uh, this was in oh, the news like horrible. ten years ago. Um, yeah, oh, I, mean, I wouldn't take any of those. <laughs> to be how, honest, well, how do they? Well, how do they get the crabs? I mean, they don't just lay traps out and then pull them up or something. Or? Yeah, where do you think they lay them? Don't they then, just? Don't they just like throw them overboard and they sink down? Correct. Where exactly would they do that? From a boat. I know. And where would that boat be? Uh, on the water. And where river? in the water exactly? But what happened? The big wave came and knocked the guy off the boat? Correct. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Yep. So ever watch what is it called? The deadliest is the deadliest catch. Yes, that's the that's yeah. the movie. That was a TV show where the guy died. Was, a, the deadliest catch. Graphics. Yeah, that, that, I was watching one on um, a tuna boat. Unbelievable oh, wow. to think, you know, what they go through to catch these uh, tuna. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's it's incredible. That's why sushi is so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> waka waka waka. Um, but. Like, I'm going to have to have some tea. I mean, um, well, I guess what would be like the worst job that like you were ever offered or that you ever did? 
Besides Josh. Baltimore City Public Schools. <laughs> that that was yep, that was quite a quite a trip. That was an experience, yeah. Teach there you can teach anywhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um I was my my job was the story's no longer in existence, but um I would say that job I had a pantry pride. Oh yeah, yeah. You told me you didn't like it. Yeah. They they had me. They were trying to save money, so they they had they had, they were doing they were trying to do this thing where they were keeping stores open till twelve o'clock at night. Yeah, and they did that for a few years and realized it was ridiculous because after nine or ten, you got so few people. Yeah, who came in and the electricity and the utilities and it it was not cost effective. But anyway. So what they did was they had me on by myself alone, mm -hmm. like tw uh, 12 o'clock at night. And I couldn't, it was hard to clean up because you start to clean up and it was another customer that needed you to slice up some meat. And um, sometimes I wouldn't be getting out of there until one in the morning by myself. Mm -hmm. And it was, wow. it was quite frightening. And after after a while, I just um, I left the, that job. I figured no matter how much they paid me, it was not it was um, not worth my safety. Yeah. Besides, don't ask the the find the, the, the deli the, the I think I we did the one of about one of our podcasts. Yes. Some of the customers. Oh, come. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because I know one of my friends. He's a carpenter. And like the injuries that carpenters get, like on average, like it's expected that you're gonna, God forbid, lose a, lose a limb. Um, and he unfortunately he got hit uh, with a bandsaw. Um, What's a bandsaw? You know those saws that are like round and they're on for wood, and you just you're supposed to run wood through it. I thought it was a buzz saw. Is it a buzz saw? Um, pretty sure it's a bandsaw. Uh, maybe it's different. Uh. Mm -hmm. Oh no! Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, I I was I was thinking of a bandsaw, which is different. Right. Um, flag the moment. Flag the moment. Yes, the yes, yes. Admitted his mother was right. Flag the moment. Sure. Um, yeah, no, the, a buzzsaw. You're right, a buzzsaw. And one of his workers were um, were you know doing the uh, was was cutting was cutting some kind of wood, and there was a mishap, and it basically like had issues where like it wound up something wound up hitting my friend. The the buzzsaw hit my hit my friend and like he had to like luckily that he got his fingers reattached, but they were practically off. And oh. that's what's like so scary and so common in like the construction field. Of, like you gotta be so aware and precise, you know. You know, Hashem with microsurgery, that they can yes. reattach the things. Because I remember um, when I was working behind the deli counter, there was this Russian gentleman who was really sad. This is, I mean, this is like, you know, the early 70s before they really perfected microsurgery. He lost a couple fingers mm. slicing meat. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. It's it just, it's just, it's really, you got to be so precise. You got to be so careful. Um, yeah. So that's that. Um, well, wow. I don't know if we talked about this when I was um, opening up 
I was opening up a um a large ham to um to give it to a, you know to slice it for a customer and I needed a knife to open up the package. Did we ever go over this? No, you never told this to me. Okay, what happened was the knife slipped. Oh wow. And hit my hand, my finger. And it was a it was Friday night, very crowded deli counter for Friday night. And I, I went like this, like I went, I picked up my finger, and you could hear all the people in front of the deli counter going, Ugh! Oh God. So I run into the back room. I very quickly you know, uh, wash it soap and water, very quickly grabbed a bunch of paper towels and and band-aids and ba bandages, and I totally bandaged it up. And then I, I come out to the customer, and I said, okay, sir, now how much of that did you want? And he says, a quarter pound without your thumb in it. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Oh gosh. Um yeah, like there are so many jobs that you have to the people like just they do it. They just have to do it. You know? Like it it could be difficult, backbreaking, and like they just soldier on. I, I've seen some people with like just you know, I, I'm I'm thinking more like uh uh like cowboys, to be honest, and uh cattle uh, ranchers and things like that and farmers. <laughs> Where it's just like, oh, they're I up some, to break a dawn. I had some friends in high school and college mm -hmm. who were farmers in Carroll County. And um, oh, there was um, one friend of mine. They were in the middle of harvesting. His brother accidentally slipped and his hand went into the harvester, into the machine. And of course, they, you know, they took his hand out right away. You know, they did what they could. And it's like he was telling me his brother's thumb had no flesh on it. You just see the bones. Mm. And he said, you know, how part of his, his hand, you know, he talked about how banged with his brother's hand was. So they, you know, of course, they put him right on the side of the road. They called, they called the paramedics right away and took him to the hospital. And he told me, like, how they managed to save his brother's hand in the hospital. That was amazing what they did. He says they, he says they took his brother's thumb his hand mm -hmm. and they actually made an incision and they stuck his thumb in his on his stomach hmm. and the cells like the regenerative cells from his stomach formed around the thumb and then a few weeks later they removed his thumb and he said there was a the, the skin that was on his thumb of course it had to be trimmed but it said it went like it went for maybe a couple feet Oh, wow. And his brother, when the nurses would come in to take care of him, as soon as they turned their back, his brother would purposely take this long piece of skin on his thumb and snap them in the tush with it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't fly nowadays. That's a Me Too movement right on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. So, um, anyway, he was, um, there was, I was talking once to a man who was a doctor in the emergency room in um, University Hospital downtown. Mm -hmm. And he told me that his experience working in that emergency room had, had totally reaffirmed his faith in God. He says he would see construction workers that would fall 
from scaffolds, like down there, like how many feet, and come in with just a bruise. Oh wow! On the other hand, he would see people because a lot of construction, you know, other stuff goes on downtown. He would see construction workers who fell from just a few feet, should not have been injured, and they fell in such a way on their head that they broke their necks and died. Oh wow! From just a few feet, he says. He says it made him realize that Hashkach Lepratis, and this was not this was not a Jewish man. This you know, Goisha man, a Goisha doctor, and he said, he said he realized that you know, God, um, you know, he says there's got to be a God on this earth that, you know, if it's if, if it's your time, it's your time. If it's not, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's kind of funny because you know you hear all these stories about all these people that like. We're in tip-top shape, really, really fit, and then have a heart attack at 33, you know? And then you have some people who chain smoke and do whatever and don't really take care of themselves, and they live to, like, 90. <laughs> and it's just, it's 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 really it's a crapshoot. Everyone's trying to do what they can to feel yeah. like they have some control in this world, but, like, you really don't. Um, that's At least that's what I, I've noticed. Well, yeah, the, the, you know, I wouldn't say that we don't have any control. I would say that the choices we make, you know, the choices we make can determine our quality of life. Can. And, you know, you just have to do the best you can. Like, you know, try to, you know, don't smoke, don't drink to excess, don't, you know, try to try to exercise, try to keep your body at a, you know, in decent condition. I mean, it's, we're all human beings. That's all you can hope for. And just, you know, just hope for the best. But as human beings, we have to try the best we can. Okay, we can't yeah. just sit back and say, eh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to chain smoke. I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. Because, you know, but, you know, because you, you know, that you, you do have that choice. I, I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. But it's just like that's for me, at least that's what makes me feel that there's there's some optimism in that, you know, where. You don't have to worry so much. You don't have to be scared so much because mm -hmm. it's bigger than you. Um, that's why it's I, I obviously put in my best every day when I wake up in the morning. Um, but, you know, feeling like I, I could have done this right. I could have done that right. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's just it's really not up to us. It's, you know, it's mm -hmm. a crapshoot that we are not aware of. Mm -hmm. um, and we can only we can only we can only plan so, you know, we can only plan so much. I mean. You know, you plan as best you can, and um, sometimes things work out. Some things, sometimes, despite our best efforts, they don't. Like my trip to Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, from last last week's episode. Um, yeah, that that was really frustrating. Uh, but what would make you feel optimistic about the future? That's a good question. Um, as an Orthodox Jew, I have faith that Mashiach is going to come. Yeah. That, that really you know, that really helps a lot knowing that you know knowing that there's a that there that you know there there is a future for the Jewish people and it's a very it's a very bright future. Yeah, especially yeah. what's going on right now. You know, um, but well, so you know, I, I tend to want to she or not a sheer a she or for those of you out there who need help with your conversational Hebrew, she or about Abbas HaMashiach and um, the woman uh, she was she basically she based it on things that are in the Gomorrah and it says in the Gomorrah that um, it's like 
the Vavias HaMashiach is like Erev Shabbos, like the coming of Shabbos. Like, when do things in the house get crazy? When it's Erev Shabbos and you're cleaning and you're cooking and you're trying to get the house in order and you're rushing and you're rushing and you're rushing. And, you know, in fact, there's a thing that it's a, it's very common in a lot of, from Jewish homes, that late Friday afternoon, there's a Kabbalistic idea that it's like the Yetzirah gives its last shtup. Yeah. Before it knows it's going to have to take a vacation for 24 hours, you know, when Shabbos comes. And so people, like, towards the end of Friday afternoon, that's when a lot of couples get into arguments. That's when a lot of, you know, people start screaming at each other, you know, rushing to clean the house, rushing to cook, and, you know, arguments are breaking out. And it's a lot of craziness. And what stops it? What stops it is the second that the mother of the house lights the Shabbos candles and says, the bracha, puff. All the craziness ends. And or, then peace comes to the house. So wait a minute. So this she or she was saying, so the Yisam Mashiach, it says in, in something in the Gemara, it's going to be just like that, that the closer we get to the coming of Mashiach, the more crazy and topsy-turvy things are going to get in the world. And they're going to get crazier and crazier and crazier until just that one spark. Mashiach is going to come. It's going to happen very quickly. And poof, it's going to, total peace is going to come to the earth. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say was, or maybe in general, try to find stressless ways to handle preparing for Shabbos. Um, you know, if, if it takes forever to cook the chicken, maybe try to look into pre-made chicken. If it takes forever to clean everything, maybe start cleaning on Thursday, like find other means and methods to like avoid the rush or in general, learn to just, I don't know, not give too much, uh, like, uh, to be obsessed with every little nook and cranny and have to have everything prepped and ready by two o'clock in the afternoon and yada 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 mm -hmm. um i don't know i just i i i think there's mm -hmm. other easier quicker more efficient ways um Could be. Yeah. you know it's 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 staring in the face but no one wants to see it like <laughs> like it's not that difficult it's very easy to prep things you know when you're when you're getting ready for shabbos and try to run things through and make sure things are taken care of just i don't know take a deep and breath there's also the, the idea, I think a lot, a lot of people try to cram in as much as they can before yeah. Shabbos so that they can, so they can, you know, come into Shabbos with everything in the week totally finished. Well, it's also the idea where it's just <laughs> like you're prepping because you feel like for 25 hours, you literally can't do a lot of things, but you feel like you need to do them. The reality is you don't. And once you understand that and you let go mm -hmm. of the need to constantly do all those things, you have 25 hours to just let go. And it's not that stressful. You don't need to constantly make sure all the toilet paper has been ripped up and the Luna Falls were taken care of and the chicken, everything. Like it's just, it's, it's self-made chaos. That's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. um, like I don't, I don't do Shabbos Goy situations. You know, mm -hmm. if 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 a lights off, a lights off. It's the bathroom. It's the bathroom. Like mm -hmm. so what? Mm -hmm. It's I'm not going to waste yeah. my time trying to run over to like my neighbors, knock on the door, have an awkward conversation, <laughs> and then do a weird odd smile. You know, it's just it's so awkward. 
It's so awkward. And I just, I don't like it. It makes me feel silly and I just don't like doing it. Um, and it's fine. I can, I don't have to worry about having every single light in my house done. I could deal with some cold chicken. It's, (laughs) it's not the end of the world. You know, I think that's what people have to realize. Like they think they need every single amenity and every single comfort. And like the lack of that amenity is the comfort. You know, I don't need my phone for like those 25 hours. You know, I, I, I would like to have my light on by my bed when I read, but I'm only going to read for maybe about like five, 10 minutes anyways, anyways before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, okay, fine. So I won't have that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's that need. It's that chaos that like, I think really brings it all together. That causes the problem, you know? And I think we mm-hmm. make ourselves, yeah, I think we make stories up to give us hope, you know? And I think the idea that everything's going to be topsy-turvy before Mashiach comes, I think everything's been topsy-turvy since the day of the, it's since the day we've all been born it's been topsy-turvy you yeah know? i think well if you look around i'm like it's, a, it's guess, getting worse it's getting worse it's getting i understand I, yeah. it's topsy and turvier but it's just like i don't know i think it's always been feeling like it's getting worse like there's this there's this sound i could send it to you there's a sound where like you think the pitch is getting higher and higher and higher but the way the sound is being made it actually isn't going higher it's just staying the same. It's in your head that you think it's going higher. Mm. Yeah, it's really cool. What, what, is, what is it? What kind of frequency is it? it? I don't know what it is. It goes like it, go, it mm-hmm. goes that that that. You think you think the pitch is getting higher, but it's not. It's just the same mm. recording going over and over again, and it's in your head that you think it's going higher. Gosh. Yeah. Oops. So it's just like how much of this stuff is really in our heads, and how much of the stuff is reality. You know. How much do we need to confront and how much do we really have? I don't know. It's just I I it's these thoughts I have in my head where like I just some part of me doesn't believe in a lot of stuff. I think it's just we're all in, you know, a crapshoot and we're all hoping on some resemblance of control and order in this world, but there really isn't anything. You know? Like there is, but there isn't. You know what I mean? Like there's there's deeper levels to it that we don't understand. Well, I'm you know? sure. Like I don't think like I think I think what I hear in Midrashim and this, that, and the other. In the Gemara here and story here and there, it's just like it. You take it with like a grain of salt. Um, I feel, you know, depends. Yeah, I guess. Depends. It depends. I mean, Rashi quotes Medrash. Yeah, everyone quotes Rashi too. It's just, <laughs> it's like you can't. I don't know. You can't take it. You t- don't take it at face value. You kind of have to, you know, take it with a grain of salt and just let it be. Um, but I don't know. It makes me think of like different hypotheticals. Like if you had a start over button, like where would you start over? Start over button. You hit the button, you get to start over, but you have to start over at a certain point in time. The day I got married. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. All righty. Thank you, listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I would probably start over in my early 20s just to like refix everything. Well, you know something? I think back to um, like jobs I had where 
I feel like I could have, should have been um, more cooperative. Yeah. And just do what the boss says and, you know, just get it over with and just, you know, stop fighting and arguing so much. And then it occurred to me that I do get that chance every mm -hmm. day. I mean, not can't go back and redo that job, but in the jobs I have now, <clears throat> I can certainly be, you know, a lot more cooperative um, with the people that I'm working with. Yeah. So I can't, you know, I did learn that, that, so that I can do. Yeah. I mean, um, I get it. And as, as a teacher also, I find myself, um, I'm much more positive and easygoing than I was when I first started teaching, especially music. Yeah. But that comes with time. That comes with that, that, and that's the thing. It's the most frustrating thing. It's like, we all regret the mistakes we've made, but the only reason why we regret them is because we we realized what they were and fixed them. You know, like we probably have major blind spots now. We're looking at ourselves and looking at what we could do better and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, because I feel the same way with 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 my field, where it's like I definitely feel more confident now. I definitely feel more capable now. That I wish I had my capabilities and put them into my degree you know because mm. what i what i had in school was so rudimentary and so like immature that it's almost laughable mm. and 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 a little frustrating to look at i think we discussed this one time one of our podcasts about how um the problem with um education with you know our college yeah. education is a college education, unfortunately, does not prepare you for really working in that profession. It doesn't really give you practical, uh, you know, like practical the practical experience you really need to succeed in that field. Yeah, we've 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 you talked about that. I, I think, think, a lot, think a lot of people feel that way about their professions. Yeah, yeah. I think also we've talked a lot of different things in the podcast that we've done before. What's crazy is in like a couple of weeks it's going to be our three year anniversary. We're doing this for three years. Crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, we pop up in a bottle of champagne. Eh, we'll see. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's just I definitely, I definitely feel with, with with I mean with the podcast, it's definitely grown. It's definitely gotten bigger. Um, and so for the for the for the last uh, part of our segment, uh, I was going to ask you, um. Your nonstop snack. <laughs> well, I told you I, I have to keep away from taco chips because once I, you know, eat them. In fact, remember um uh there's um oh I forgot what it was. There was some corn chip commercial or something where um once you eat them, you've got to eat them all or something. You can't stop. Or I forgot what the... It was once you pop, you can't stop. What's it called? Once you pop, you just can't stop. I think it was uh, Pringles had an ad campaign called Once You Pop, Once You Pop, You Just Can't Stop. And because the Pringles uh, can pops up. Um, I don't know if it was Pringles, but it was, I think it was like a corn chip. And um, I noticed something with corn chips in general. When I start with corn chips, it's like I can't stop. And I was reading an article about corn snacks in general that the corn, you know, there's 
that releases this natural sugar that it has mm. and that that like triggers the body to crave more interesting and that's and that's with corn that, I, yes with corn yeah but what i really like um i'll tell you it, i like uh pretzels i like um i like pretzels those um honey those honey pretzels that are twisted little honey pretzels are twisted. yes yes they're those. yeah yeah i like those very much i think they're they make a very good snack i mean they make a very yeah like a, a good like if i'm if i'm stuck in an airport like i was a couple of weeks ago oh yes <laughs> of course yeah um I couldn't find those pretzels. The only pretzels I was able to find that were not OUD were the um, what's they called the pretzel chips. Yes, the the the, yeah. the called pretzels. I, I was so hungry, I ate a whole bag of them, and they were, they were too they were really too salty. But I mm -hmm. I I couldn't I didn't care even though they were very salty and I couldn't stand them. I was hungry, and I just ate that whole bag. Oh wow. Um. So what is an untrue overused saying that you are just sick of hearing? <laughs> I have my sources. Yeah, but you go on the internet, don't you, and look them up. Don't say anything. Don't say anything too much. You're gonna, people are going to find out. We got to keep quiet. Me and you, Ima. Reminds me of what? Remember that movie, Secret Admirer? No. We're, okay. Um, I think it was Zach Efron. I think started it in G and Gina Davis, not mistaken. But okay. Um, anyway, he's trying to impress this girl and get her attention that he has this mad crush on, and this other girl who's like not as attractive, like a planner type girl. He's friends with her, so he wants her. He writes these love letters, mm -hmm. and he gives this girl the love letters to put in the locker of this girl that he has this crush on. Okay. And so what the way that he writes his letters, he gets all these like, like um, Valentine greeting cards and he gets them off these greeting cards. And then, then when he gives the letter to his friend, who's a very intelligent girl, she opens up the letters, of course, before she passes them on to this other girl who she's friends with. And she reads them and she goes, oh, God. <laughs> you know, oh God. And so she goes and she writes the love letter. And she's a very good creative writer. So she mm -hmm. writes these beautiful love letters and, and gives them to her girlfriend, who the guy's got the crush on. And the girl totally falls in love with the guy without seeing him because she reads these beautiful letters, not realizing it's her friend who's writing these letters. It's it very cute. Um, <laughs> Watch the movie sometimes. It's pretty funny. It's called Secret Admirers. I'll check it out. I'll definitely it's check it out. Little, it's a cute little love movie. It's pretty funny. Um, uh, so um, what was the question? <laughs> We're out of time already anyways. Love you, Ma. Good night. Love you. Bye. Da, 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 da. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. Please comment and subscribe on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and Instagram. I would greatly appreciate it, and my mother would too.